sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. Hello everyone, welcome to the Sports Desk on this Wednesday morning. I'm Kendra and I'm joined with Luca and Finn and you are listening to Sin. Today on the Sports Show we've got quite a lot coming up including the AFL roundup as well as some cricket and some netball results as well as NBA. But first, how how are you today guys? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yep, happy to be Back for the second week and happy to, I guess, school holidays are over and I'm not sure about you guys, you probably didn't have that, but yeah, back and doing stuff like that. What about you, Luca? Yeah, all good, all good here. Um, <laughs> just working from home, so pretty quiet. <laughs> any sports this weekend, any sporting highlights from the weekend? Ooh, um, my team, AC Milan, they won 3-0. And uh, sitting equal top in the Serie. A. How about how about you? Ooh, I would say I would say I didn't have the best sporting weekend this week. I mean, the Tigers got beaten, which I'm sure we'll go into when we talk about the AFL. But I'm also quite excited to talk a little bit about the French Open, although we only have one Aussie advancing through, and also talk a little bit about swimming and athletics. What about you, Finn? Um, well, uh, basketball game three of the NBA finals was today and there were about, I think there were 41 goals scored this weekend in the Premier League. So very exciting week, um, for yeah, the Premier League and just soccer in general. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. We're going to just, uh, give a quick roundup of the scores from the last week of the finals. Um, so Port Adelaide versus Geelong, 58-42, Port Adelaide getting up, sending them to the prelim final. Uh, Brisbane Lions versus the Tigers, 69-54. Brisbane, uh, yeah, heading straight to the prelims as well. Uh, the Cats will face the... The Cats will face the Collingwood Magpies. Yep, they won in Perth, beating West Coast by one point, 75-76. And St Kilda will face the Tigers after beating the Bulldogs by three points, 67-64. It was quite an eventful week of finals, if I must say so myself. What did, what did you guys think of it? Yeah, I I have to say there was a few upsets, I reckon, in the finals. I mean, well, for me, from my bias because I go for Richmond. But also I found Collingwood very surprising. They beat West Coast Eagles by one point. What did you guys think of Collingwood winning? Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I don't think anyone in the sports media world expected Collingwood to beat West Coast, especially I think West Coast have won the last eight finals they've played against Collingwood. Um, they've got an amazing record. Collingwood were a bit shaky throughout the season, like had some inconsistencies. But right from the start, it was a very chippy battle, especially between uh, Liam Ryan and Connor Maynard. Just back and forth, back and forth, and it kind of like heightened the the battle, let's say. 
and Collingwood were here to play. Mason Cox, um, yeah, brilliant stuff. Wasn't it, Kendra? Mason Cox in the first quarter. Yeah, he had like three goals in the first quarter. I think. I mean, he was just the target for all Collingwood players. They were kicking it to him. And, yeah, I don't think any of the um, Eagles could um, catch the ball from Mason Cox when he caught it. But, yeah, he was. He definitely had three goals in the first quarter, which was definitely impressive. I, I um I took a keen and close eye to at some like uh, some certain sequences and actions towards the end of the match, and uh, that high free kick on um Darling, I think it was to get him in within the kick. That was a bit iffy in my, if, in my opinion. And then I think in the center clearance after the goal, there's some there might have been some controversy of a missed call, but it was pretty hard to see with uh, maybe Pendlebury's throw. Yeah, the umpiring this this whole round has been a bit, let's say, biased to to the home side. Yes, definitely. I mean, Richmond did give away quite a lot of free kicks, but I think that um, the umpiring has definitely they seem to I don't know sort of take advantage of certain play, like especially the away teams when they slip up. They are definitely I reckon harder on the teams that come from Victoria than the home teams. For sure. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Especially in the second half. The second half, the like a free kick decision can change the momentum of the game. For sure. Um, we saw in uh, Port Adelaide, Geelong, in the second quarter. Geelong could have been, I don't know, at least four goals up if it wasn't for some miss kicking on the Hawkins part. But that's how it goes sometimes again. Yes, and Tom Hawkins was slapped with a fine after striking a Port Adelaide player, Tom Rockcliffe. Did you see this, Luca? Yeah, it was pretty dirty play, I'd say. Um, so it warranted the fine? I think it warranted the fine. Maybe not a suspension, but it was, it was still unsporting. It might have been provoked, let's say, with words you cannot say at this time in the morning, but still, you don't hit people on the ground, I guess. Unexpected, let's say. He did just recently receive the Coleman medal, but in that game, he only, he had six goal shots and received five behinds. Yeah, really disappointing. Um, and he wasn't really, like, marked that well from the defender on, on the Port Adelaide side. There were lo- lots of darts going into the match with the selection, um, with Ken Hinckley's selection, but still, he very rushed, wasn't very focused in front of goal. Um I think Tom Hawkins has history of just, I don't want to say choke, but like not being accurate in front of goal in the big moments. Yeah, especially with this season, he does seem to have gone through very up and down periods with in his football playing. Like he's not, we see him do very well in some matches and he's unstoppable, but then you see him in, in a match like this, you just wonder like what, what is it about it that some days he does so well and then some days he's just a non-contender in the game? Yeah, it's, a, it's that mental game, I reckon, the mentals. You always got to fix it, I reckon. But I'm, I'm happy for St Kilda, though. That was like a fairy tale kind of story. Yeah, St Kilda did get the win over Western Bulldogs, but I thought it was quite upsetting to see Ruckman Paddy Ryder suffering a hamstring injury that could potentially ruin his finals dream. Did you see this? Yes, it was, uh, I think, in the last minute of the game and he's just hobbled off off the ground, um, towel over his head, in tears, not a pretty sight. Um, yeah, Jared Rufford was trying to console him, but 
think that he knew it was it was his season over for now. Yeah, considering he's been playing really well up into this point, it was really hard to see. I think for any footballer or athlete in general who does suffer from an injury, it does quite take quite a, a toll on your psychology. Yeah, and he's had a long career as well. Um, at least 200 games in the AFL. It's his first finals win. And to, to have it to end like that, it was kind of unfair, I think. But nothing is owed to us, but still. Bittersweet win for St Kilda. So on the next uh, weeks, this coming up week's games, Richmond versus St Kilda and Geelong versus Collingwood. What what are your thoughts on Richmond St Kilda, Kendra? Oh, I think St Kilda's going to win. They were just in red hot form against the Western Bulldogs. Even though Western Bulldogs did try and come back, they still had the edge over them. And just seeing how Richmond played against the Brisbane Lions, I think Saints are just going to get them. Yeah, it could be a repeat of um, the 2004 preliminary finals with uh, Port Adelaide taking on the Saints in Geelong and Brisbane. Hopefully, it's not the case, though. I would like to see Richmond get up over the Saints. I do think that um, Richmond does have like potential to do better than they did against the Brisbane Lions because they will have Tom Lynch back, hopefully. And, the Saint- and St Kilda is saying goodbye to a few players who are leaving the hub due to some personal reasons. So I think Richmond will be in a better state than they were against the Lions. That's for sure. I, I have a funny feeling that Collingwood might get up on Geelong. I think they're going off confidence. Yeah, they're just like, the team chemistry is built. And grown, everyone's doubted them, and I think like their underdog status has grown as well. Yeah, I think I think quite a few people will want to see Geelong maybe take out the win, especially you do have like Gary Ablett and Patrick Dangerfield. And I think they would like to see them play another grand final. Yeah, it would good. It would be good to like to send them out. Um, still, it's like good versus evil <laughs> at this stage of the season especially if some of these players are at the end of their careers and this might be the last time we're seeing them play, potentially. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, send us in um, your, fav- your predictions, your thoughts of the AFL so far. AFL Finals series is uh, gearing towards its uh, heightened climax for the, for the year 2020. Um, we'll be right back. Listen to Sports Desk on this Wednesday morning with Finn, Kendra and Luca. Do you want to be a radio star? Well, you can. Join Sin and get involved in radio, TV, podcasting and online. Visit syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin. My name's Finn and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Kendra and Luca. And now we're going to get into a quick cricket recap. If Luca, do you want to tell us those cricket scores? Certainly. We are Australia defeated New Zealand over the weekend. It's their 20th one-day international win in a row. And they won the series by uh, winning 255 of six wickets. And New Zealand scored 252. After 50 overs, um, they won, Australia won by four wickets in the end. And Meg Lanning was the MVP Women of the Match by scoring her 14th century in this format. So a very exciting victory by the Aussie women there. Um, we're going to be talking about the tennis. Uh, French Open has finished its week one. And 
it's been quite a quite an exciting week of tennis, if I do say so myself. Um, Kendra, any any highlights for you after this Ooh. first week? I think the fact that Ash Barty is still ranked number one, it's really good to have the Aussie in number one, but as Halep did lose two straight sets in the French Open, Nadal also advances through as he won his set and also a bit of a shame for the Aussies as Astra Sharma and Daria Garilova are both out. I feel like the women's side of the draw has has been blown wide open. It's like a lot of the seeded players have been eliminated already. Muguruza, she lost. As you said, um, Pliskova, who was the second seed, she's gone. Serena Williams pulled out of her second round match with Achilles tendon uh, soreness injury. And then you've got these qualifiers still playing, like uh, Trevisan from Italy, Schwartek, she They're playing in the quarterfinal. Yeah, it's. I mean, at the as we are recording now, there is a fourth round match going on between Bedosa, Gilbert, and Siegmund from um, what's it, Spain and Germany, respectively. Mm-hmm. And I think Siegmund's taken the first set. So they, that's another match where I don't think either of them are seeded. And that's another one for the quarterfinals. Yeah. That side of the draw is completely open. Like Yeah, so, yeah, as I see it, I think there's only three people left seated in the top 30. No no top three either, which is surprising. Yeah, the highest, the first two, Zvitolina and Cannon. They're like the highest two. Cannon won the Aussie Open um, this year. And Zvitolina, she was a semi-finalist in the Rome, uh, I think, a month ago, I think now. And she's, I think she's had a pretty good season. Um, both on the hard and the clay courts. Yeah. Last night, though, yeah. did you see the, the Gaston team match? No, I didn't. So Hugo Gaston is ranked 263 in the world. Dominic team is number three. And this match went to five sets. It probably lasted three and a half hours. That's incredible. That is amazing. The, the brand of tennis. And he came back from players. two sets down. Yeah, it was so close. Just like, looking at it. Team team plays like aggressive from the baseline, barely like moves. He's very defensive, right? And Gaston was playing just slices, drop shots, trying to make him move forwards. And that was his weakness, I think, on that day. And Gaston slowly crept back into the matches. It was incredible to watch. And the crowd was really right behind Gaston, who's obviously from France. Everyone was trying to cheer him on to victory, and unfortunately, he just fell short. But team still on the on his run for his maiden French Open win after claiming the US Open. Yeah, well, you have to think that he might be a bit fatigued after playing five sets. So um, I'm not sure who he's playing next. He's playing Schwartzman. He might actually, yeah, that fatigue might just um, put him over the edge. Yeah, Schwartzman had an easy victory. I think it was straight sets against uh, Sonego. And Schwartzman's looking good as well. He, he's, he's not bad on the clay either. So it might be a close match in the quarterfinal. Yeah, I guess we made our predictions, what, last week. And that was well before, like, um, Serena Williams pulled out and um, all these other things. So I guess starting with Kendra, what's your um, prediction now for the winner of either the women's or the men's? For the men's, I think I'm going to back Nadal. I think he definitely, just seeing how he plays on the clay, 
and how he defends and the form that he's in at the moment. I think he's definitely one that's going to take out the French Open. In the women's, well, since Serena is now out, I honestly thought she, I honestly thought the French Open was the, the Grand Slam that she was going to equal Margaret Court's record, but that's not the case. So I don't think I could back a woman for the women's singles because, like, they're not tennis players that I really know too much about yet. So I'm actually really curious to see who actually does take out the French Open. What do you think, Finn? Who are you backing? Um, yeah, for the men's, I'm, I'm also going to have to go Nadal. He's just so dominant on the, um, the Antakar. And I just, I can't see anyone else winning it. Just looking at this, I'd like Sisyphus to win because I just like him as a person. <laughs> but, I, I mean, he's, yeah, I don't think he'll beat Nadal. And on the women's side, yeah, I honestly have no idea who's going to win. I think I'd like um, the French Fiona Ferro just because she's French, and I think that would be great if a French person won the, yeah, the, they're just a uh, national Grand Slam, but I'm not sure. What about you, Luca? I'm going to go for an upset here on the men's side. I think uh, Yannick Sinner, who's a qualifier, it's his first French Open, he's going to defeat Nadal uh, tom- like on, on Tuesday night. This has been recorded on Monday night, so things could happen. But I think Sinner can go all the way. I watched his match against Zverev, um, completely dominated Zverev. I haven't seen hitting like that in forever. Um, he reminded me of Nadal when back like when he was starting to win French Opens, so it's pretty scary to watch. Um, on the women's side, yeah, everyone there's a lot of unknowns, but I feel like there could be a fairy tale for um, Schwantek, who who defeated who defeated uh, Simona Halep on uh, in straight sets six one six two. The last time a teenager won was uh, I think Yelena Ostapenko. Back in 2017, I think, who I think she did defeat Halep as well. So I think winning against Halep is the key to winning a French Open. Bold predictions. Bold predictions, indeed. Okay, to some good news as well. In the tennis world, we have confirmed that Roger Federer and Serena Williams will play in the Australian Open in January for 2021. And I think this is going to be quite exciting for particularly all of Australians, but fans around the world. Are you guys excited for this? It was due for some good news, um, especially for from Melbourne. The Aussie Open is like a stale, uh, like a hallmark event. Uh, it starts off the year sporting-wise. And, yeah, we'll be really glad if this goes ahead. How about you, Finn? Are you happy to see these two dominant tennis players come to Melbourne? Yeah, I am. I'm happy. I'm I'm worried, obviously, that I, I feel like Federer, it's going to be a challenge for him to stay healthy. Like he, It's been a challenge lately for him, I think. And even Serena Williams isn't. They're both getting older and definitely more injury prone. So I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt at the moment. But... Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, I think, yeah, they are probably nearing to the end of their careers. I mean, I don't know when it comes to Serena. It seems like she's going to be around forever. But, um, yeah, I think just having these two players just even show up will definitely set the tone for the Australian Open and make it somewhat close to normal, which is, I think, what everyone needs at the moment, especially in Australia. 
Yeah, well, well said, Kendra. Well said. All right, that does it for our wrap-up of uh, week one of the French Open. Stay tuned. We've still got plenty of uh, sport chat to talk about, including Super Netball finals as well as the NBA. You're listening to Sin. Hey, welcome. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Desk here on Sin this Wednesday morning uh, with Finn, Kendra, and Luca. We're going to be discussing uh, Nepal and the NBA. So Super Nepal finals were occurred over the weekend. Uh, Melbourne Vixens, they are the minor premiers. They are now through to the grand final um, after defeating the Sunshine Coast Lightning 63-47, to a dominant display from the Melbourne Vixens. Um, it's their first grand final appearance for a long time, and it's also a breaking of the hoodoo. After minor premiers in the last couple seasons, they haven't made the grand final, let alone win it. Um, on the other side of the draw, uh, West Coast Fever eliminated the New South Wales Swifts from contention, winning 67-62. to West Coast Fever will now face the Sunshine Coast Lightning for a place in the Super Netball Grand Final, which will be held on the 18th of October. Um, so yeah, make sure you catch up on Super Netball this coming weekend. The 11th of October is a prelim final, let's say, against Sunshine Coast and West Coast. Um, personally, I think the West Coast Fever will win win that matchup and face the Vixens in the final. Now, Finn, on to the NBA Finals. Lakers Heat. It was quite a, a few, yeah, intense matchups. Let's say. Yeah. Well, today the Heat just won their first game of the NBA Finals so far. So they're now one only one game behind the Lakers, um, and they've they even did it without Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, who are both basically the I I believe the first and probably third best players on those teams, which is very impressive. And Jimmy Butler. Scored forty points with a triple double in Game Three, and um, a real, I think, a real talking point is the Anthony Davis fifteen points in the game. Did he get locked up by Kelly Olynyk, Luca? Look, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he did, but like it was kind of embarrassing to watch. Really, like Davis, he was very quiet. Um, he didn't have a lot of rebounds. I think only three rebounds. And lucky for his bench players and support cast, like they kind of had to step up with Davis's quiet game. Yeah, definitely. And he also he didn't he got in foul trouble early, which I think really affected his game. And he only took nine shots, I think. And he should really be taking more shots if they want to be able to stay competitive in this series. Because people like Danny Green and uh, Kate Contavious Caldwell Pope and JaVale McGee, these guys, they'll give you a good game every now and again, but they're just not going to be consistent, and they need that consistency on that team. Yeah, like today, like I didn't even think Morris was capable of that game, but he scored 19 points off the bench. Cole Kuzma as well, 19 points off the bench. But for them, for the Lakers to win on the offensive side of the game, they need at least 50 points like together from Davis and LeBron James. Yeah, and especially since they turned the ball over so many times. I think it was the record amount of turnovers, yeah, in the first quarter or the first half is since the finals began, I think. And they 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 can just not they can't afford to do that with this Miami team who will fight and try and win every basket and everything counts for them because they don't really have that um 
star power that Anthony Davis and LeBron James bring to a team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think as well, like the the Miami Heat's team, like their focus was brought in by Udonis Haslam. He grilled them in game two, like midway through the third quarter. I think after the game, Jimmy Butler was saying, oh yeah, I think he should have, he should have like talked to us sternly more throughout the game to like fire them up. And I think it led to the, it led to this performance as well. Like Jimmy Butler just put them, put his team on his back and like carried them, especially in that fourth quarter. He played, he played well in the first half as well, but that fourth quarter was pivotal because they were, it was pretty close for, for like the first opening minutes, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said in that Celtics series, um, he doesn't really start trying until the fourth quarter. So I can kind of see see where he's coming from now, which I'm not sure about that mindset, but um, it obviously worked for him if he scored 40, 11, and 12, I think it was. Yeah, like <laughs> crazy, crazy set line there. What did you think of like um, Tyler Hero's, let's say, snarl in the face of Rondo? I'm not a fan of it. Um, he's not intimidating in any way. Um, he's not, he's not Dwight Howard, who's seven foot and got an amazing, um, just, he's so muscular. Tyler Hero is a bit, just, um, looks a bit everyday Joe-ish sort of thing. And I, <laughs> he's not very intimidating. I'm not sure. What do you think, Luca? Yeah, I felt, I felt like an, some unearned confidence, like, especially from a, such a young player, inexperienced in the league, putting some disrespect on, on Rajon Rondo like that. Yeah, but I... I guess that's what makes him so good lately is that he is that confident. He's not afraid to take shots. And I think it is important for him to be like that. So it's probably a good thing. It just didn't look, didn't look great. I'm not sure. More on not the NBA finals, but I think free agency starts is starting after the the, the finals end. And so do you have any predictions for free agency or the draft? Uh, my bold prediction is that the New York Knicks will not sign anyone of key notice at all. Well, I mean, there isn't really anyone this year. I I thought maybe Anthony Davis might consider leaving if they got eliminated in the first round, but he's absolutely staying in um, LA for the probably majority of the rest of his career. And there's not really any other big free agents last year and next year, I think, were have way bigger sort of free agent classes. And even the draft class this year, what's your what do you think about the draft class? I'd say it's a bit it's fairly um just above average, let's say. Uh a lot of small guards, point guards coming through uh the draft selection. Uh Lamello Ball, he doesn't really impress me that much. Still, he might be better than Lonzo. We, we, we still don't know uh, if he does go to maybe Minnesota or Golden State. But, yeah, we shall see. What do you think, Finn? Yeah, I can't see I can't see Golden State staying at the pick, the number two pick. I feel like they'll trade down maybe in a package with the Knicks, maybe in a package with the Pistons, or maybe someone completely different. But I just don't see them needing. Maybe they go down and pick Isaac Okoro, or um, yeah, someone like that. Or uh, maybe they even go completely out of the draft and trade, try and just trade for a, another star and try and drop Andrew Wiggins' contract onto someone else like the Knicks, who have that forty million in cap space next year. 
But I do think because there was no NCAA tournament, there was no March Madness, that's where a lot of players like raise their draft stock and make their name sort of. I don't think Ja Morant was considered even top three before the um, the tournament. And so I feel like there's going to be a, a few stars who end up falling quite far in this draft. And I think the, it's you'd have a better pick going from 10 to 25 than 1 to 10. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll analyze there. Oh, well, well said. Yeah, make sure you stay tuned to, uh, to Sin this Wednesday morning on the Sports Desk with Finn, Kendra, and Luca. We'll be chatting about some new stories from the world of swimming, athletics, cycling, as well as a roundup of the English Premier League. So stay tuned. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Sin. We're always on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning. I'm Kendra and I'm joined by Luca and Finn. We've been talking all things AFL, NBA, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the swimming. So Swimming Australia and the Seven Network announced that they were going to end their five-year broadcast deal. Now, for swimming, which doesn't get a lot of coverage as it is, I think that this deal is going to affect the sport of swimming. I mean, Seven Network said they can't keep the deal because Swimming Australia didn't host the 2020 National Championships, which is usually broadcast, but it was a bit hard to hold the National Championships because we couldn't leave the state and COVID-19 came. So what do you guys think about the deal? I mean, Seven Network and Swimming Australia originally signed a five-year deal but obviously, Seven Network have wanted to pull this deal. What do you think about this? It doesn't bode well for, um, let's say, broadcast rights on the end of Swimming Australia. Um, money talks, sadly, for uh, in the world of sport. And yeah, it's it's kind of, kind of unfortunate, really. It's like Australia's number one sport, if not top five, when it comes to like Olympic level sports. Um, we've got a great tradition of uh, medalists, Olympians from swimming as well. Um, yeah, it's quite sad to see, really. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's troubling because it means that there there's not going to be a, a, as much money in that sport, whether it be like coaching or uh, just generally all all aspects are affected, like. I know that happened in the A-League this year with Australian soccer. Um, Hyundai didn't want to pay what they wanted, and so they were in a deadlock. And I hope that doesn't happen with swimming, and I hope, say, like Channel 10 or one of the other free-to-air networks picks up the contract. But it things happen like this, and um, unfortunately, it's kind of a hard sport to sort of advertise um, I'm not sure. What do you think, Kendra? Yeah. See, I, I think we're swimming, like, I, we as Australians, I think we do like the swimming, especially when it does happen with the Olympics, but it doesn't have, it, I think swimming do, will never have the same sort of following as, you know, one of the main sports we have, like AFL or even like watching people watching the NBA. NBA. It's never going to have the same popularity, but I think it is important that it does 
it is broadcast across the country because when you think about swimmers, I'm just talking from swimmers who train, like they train nine times a week, if not more, and they work very hard towards going to the national championships. And, you know, it's quite exciting to have that broadcast across the country and it's a good reflection of how hard these athletes do train. So it is really a shame and I'll definitely feel for the swimmers who do go to the national championships and are used to being used to being seen on TV don't actually have the same exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, obviously brand deals and stuff like that are massive in the sports world. And if you can't be seen on TV and you can't be seen achieving things, there is no way for you to sort of get the recognition you deserve or, or really need to succeed in some of these sports that don't necessarily have the, the massive contracts of like soccer and yeah, basketball. Yeah, I mean, it does come down to what is on, like, what's in demand. So people do prefer to watch team sports. But I think it's going to be hard because in growing the sport because you do see a lot of young kids when they watch what's on TV, they think, yeah, that's what I want to pursue. So if they're not seeing swimming or even athletics on the TV, then I think they're going to opt for choosing other sports like AFL or basketball or even tennis. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite... Um... Mixed news, I'd say. Mixed news. On the other hand, though, we have uh, some cycling stuff. You want to discuss, Kendra? So just quickly on some cycling news, it's still being assessed as to whether the Tour Down Under in Australia will go ahead in January. We just saw the Tour de France. A lot of international cyclists went there and did very well. I'm just wondering, will they make the journey to Australia considering the two-week quarantine that is set to happen in in January? Well, I guess the Giro d'Italia started last night, I think, or the night before that. And so they're doing that at the moment. I'm not sure when the Vuelta is, and I'm... Honestly, I've not seen the Tour Down Under before and I'm not sure what sort of, um, what the caliber of cyclists that come over is. And I'm not sure, uh, do you know where they're being held, where it's being held this year? Well, definitely not in Victoria. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember it being held in um, like South Australia one year. I think they were like going up the hills in Adelaide around there. That'd be pretty cool to see. Um, I don't know. It's tough to like have your European season in cycling. I mean, all right, normally you travel, there's some jet lag, whatever, and then you go to climatize as well, winter to summer. So, yeah, the Tour Down Under is usually held in South Australia. So I think South Australia has been pretty good with COVID, I think. I'm just going off by what I've heard right now, but um, yeah, I think the race should be okay if it is held in um, South Australia, but they still have to quarantine. So it'll be interesting to see if many international cyclists do pull out from the event, but considering the turnout at the Tour de France, I think most of them will come to Australia. Yeah, and even if they don't, it could be a really great opportunity for some Australian riders to actually get a chance that they might not have otherwise. Yes, definitely. It would be, yeah, especially doing it on their home turf. I think that a lot of them would like to take advantage of that. It would be good to see. 
And some sad news from the athletics world in Australia. So Athletics Australia has cancelled their eighth national championship this year to COVID. Athletics Australia said they could not hold the events because travel restrictions and health concerns was the main factor. I'm sure this would be quite disappointing for a lot of those athletes, especially for some of those Australian athletes who have done quite well in recent weeks in the international competitions and also for the up-and-coming athletes who do potentially want to have a shot at Tokyo 2021 next year. Sin, we're young people run the show. Okay, now moving on to uh, some EPL results and roundup of Weekend's action. Um, so goals galore this weekend. Finn, why don't you take it away? Yeah, well, I think there were 41 goals this weekend um, overall in the Premier League, which is absolutely crazy. And obviously the biggest, well, the second biggest thing, which people thought would be the biggest, is Man United's loss to Spurs this week, which was 6-1 they lost after being... After Man United scoring in the second minute from a penalty, Bruno Fernandes, and then they basically, um, Anthony Martial got red carded, which um, if anyone's seen it, is absolutely ridiculous and um, kind of a disgrace. And I really hope they rescind that red card and just VAR in general, I really hope they look at um, especially the handball rule. I'm not sure. Luca, have you seen any, what do you think about the handball sort of rulings that are happening? Um, I don't think there is any consistency whatsoever amongst the European leagues. It's just a free-for-all when it comes to VAR. It it comes down to each nation's league interpretation of the rule. So I know in Italy and Spain, if it's clearly not intentional in the penalty box, they will not look at it. But in England, they still have this murky area, grey area, like if you're too close to the ball... So and so, but still, I think yeah, as you said, the little friendly slap to the cheek on uh, Eric Lamella and him like fainting pain. I mean, come on, the the ball it's not even an inactive area of the ball as well. It was like before a corner free kick was hit. And yeah, I mean, it needed to be a double red card or no red card because uh, Lamella slapped him first anyway. And if, like um, the manager said, if um, Martial had gone down first, it could have completely gone the other way. So it's, uh, yeah, I just really struggle with the VAR at the moment and the rulings that are happening. But obviously the biggest uh, headline this week was Aston Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. This is Aston Villa's, uh, I think, their fourth consecutive win in the Premier League. So they're four from four from start. And it was an absolutely incredible game. Three deflections off a Liverpool player to get some goals, and Ross Barkley coming in off off uh, off loan from Chelsea, and obviously trying to prove himself after having kind of a disappointing couple of seasons with them. And I think he's definitely got something to prove. And that team is just considering where they were last year. It's a complete um, one eighty. I'm not sure. What do you think, Luca? Yeah, Aston Villa look top bins this uh, this season. Um, very threatening up front. Jack, Jack Grealish um, scored a brace in the second half. One of those goals was deflected as well. Um, and yeah, Ross Barkley really surprised me. Um, it was his debut for the club as well, scoring two. Um, but yeah, look, they were Liverpool were very shaky in defence. Um, Adrian, the keeper, 
just two costly errors in the first half kind of like took away any confidence they had in each other in the defense and the goalkeeper. Uh, Salah scored two goals. They were his 98th and 99th um, English Premier League goals overall. Um, but still, they were they were very unconvincing today, Liverpool. It's um, yeah, they were just caught out by surprise. I think. Yeah, I think they need to definitely take a serious look at their squad and say what's happening at the moment because they're not performing as well as they were last year. And uh, even though it's early, every point counts in this league and everything can flip so drastically, so quickly. I mean, Aston Villa are basically first, I think, or Everton are first after seven winning seven from seven of their last matches with um, James Rodriguez being, I think, the key factor in their, in their resurgence. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, having a really hot start, um, much like last year, actually. Yeah, Carlo Ancelotti, he, um, he brought his trademark quiet leadership skills to uh, Everton and it's paid off. I think the players are playing really well under him. Uh, Yeri Mina uh, standing tall as well in the defence. Bright spot for me. Um, yeah, Everton looking like, like they're playing back in the 80s when they won a few titles then. So it's really good to see so far in the seasons playing really well. Um, Man City drawing uh, away to Leeds United was, uh, I would say, not a surprise considering that Man City copped a heavy defeat last week against Leicester and Leeds looking like they're going to be scoring some upsets this season. Let's let's just put it that way. If not mid-table, but still. They're very, they're very strong up front. Yeah, and I think especially with Aguero and Jesus out for Man City, I don't think they have any sort of ideas at the moment. I think they're all sort of scratching their heads, wondering what do we do now? Um, Phil Foden's not really producing those goals or and De Bruyne isn't really meant to be a striker. So I feel like they're just having problems injury-wise and I just think they're, yeah, I don't think they're going to be as good as last year and especially since that transfer window closes tomorrow internationally and on the 16th um, within England. I think they're going to have to have a serious look around. And I think a lot of teams are going to have to have, like Man United and Liverpool, I think they still have to find one or two players to complement their squads. Yeah, I've heard a few um, rumours that Edison Cavani might move from PSG to Man United. But I don't think it'll save solve uh, any problems, especially in defence. They're just they're looking really shaky in defence. Yeah, Harry Maguire has not performed to expectation, sure. to say the least. Chelsea had and a good transfer market, though. Yeah, well, they've been banned the last two windows, and um, I think it was a letter of intent um, saying that we, we want to get back to winning ways, and we want to get back to those 2015 win. I'm pretty sure it was 2014-2015. And I think they can do it. They just need to wait for the squad to gel. Obviously, the Christian Pulisic and um, Hakim Ziyech haven't come back yet and or haven't actually joined the squad yet this season. And I feel like they need to, once they get everything together and everyone's gelling, I believe they're going to be one of the most dangerous squads in the league. Oh, that's for sure. That is for sure. Quite frightening indeed. Arsenal, they got a win as well against Sheffield United. 2-1 winners. Um, 
they're they're hanging in there. Let's just say they're not top four yet, but they're getting some results here and there. Or oh, they are top four actually, um, winning three from four games. Um, they're getting the deserved points they need, I think, which is good for them. Yeah, squad. they need their confidence. Yeah, I just don't think they're gonna be. I'm not sure. They just they've they haven't signed a star for however long. Obama Yang is definitely a top ten player in that league. But I just think they there are a, a few players off. I think Ozil isn't is basically just a waste of two hundred thousand dollars a week or ha- however much they're paying him, and it's they're going to be a top six team I think at the most. So Finn, do you have any um, predictions this so far after four games in the season for to, who will win the Premier League? I think that it will be Leicester City who win the Premier League once again. I'm calling it now so I can come back to this recording and hopefully be right and then rub it in everyone's faces, but um, I'm not sure. What about you, Luca? I want to say Carlo Ancelotti with Everton. He He's won in the past before in the Premier League with the blue slide, uh, Chelsea, in fact, in 2010. And I think he could do it again and uh, re- restore Everton to some former glory. They're playing decent. Um, I know Ancelotti, he's had like a few rough seasons in the past with uh, with Napoli. Um, but I think this might be some a mini comeback for him on a personal level. And, and with, James, with James Rodriguez in the squad, anything is possible. You're listening to Sin. And that brings us to the end of the Sports Desk on Sin on this Wednesday morning. I'm Kendra and was joined by Luca and Finn. We've been talking all things AFL, NBA, the French Open, even talked a little bit about the swimming and the athletics. But do follow us on the social medias or ask us anything on the social medias. We are on Instagram at the Sports Desk Sin. We are on Facebook called the Sports Desk and we are also on Snapchat. Make sure you tune in to the rest of the Sports Desk shows on Mondays and Fridays and you can also catch up on Omni. Till then, thank you and goodbye. Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the Sin HQ and studios stand, the Wawandri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country.